Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week we are going to be discussing the 2017 movie, The Space Between Us, starring Asa Butterfield, Brett Robertson, and Gary Oldham. Gary Oldham was in Harry Potter. Right. Okay. He was serious black in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. So by the title, you can imagine this is a movie about space. And movies about space are almost always depressing. Like they mm-hmm. never leave you feeling warm and fuzzy. They always leave you with like this existential dread. You know, I agree. And it makes me wonder why we're still like, why are we still looking at space travel? All these movies show us that probably is not a good idea to form colonies on different planets. Um, but we still keep trying to do it. I blame Elon Musk. <laughs> he didn't start it. No, but he's perpetuating it currently. Perpetuating. So I choose to blame him. I'll blame Elon Musk for fucking anything, to be honest. No, that's fair. I love that. I think from here on out, anytime something goes wrong, we should definitely blame it on Elon Musk. He loves the clout. So he loves the clout like our fucking podcast matters to him. <laughs> um but you know, I I feel like movies about s- space travel are just like Jurassic Park. It's telling us, hey, this is probably a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Does that stop people from trying to replicate dinosaur DNA? No. I mean, our curiosity is ultimately what's going to lead to the end of our species. Speaking of dinosaurs, just yesterday, my nine-year-old and I were talking about dinosaurs. Mm. And we were talking about how they would taste. Oh, stop. Um, We determined they probably taste like alligator meat. Sort of cross between fish and chicken, which is how alligators taste. Have you eaten alligator before? I have. It's really good. (laughs) I like alligator meat a lot. Um, So we determined that dinosaurs probably taste like alligator. Mm -hmm. Then he questioned, like, hey, will we just have dinosaur farms, like cattle farms, to where we raise dinosaurs for meat? Mm. I don't think that's possible just because dinosaurs are so big, we wouldn't be able to control them. And the small ones are terrifying. The small ones are like the worst ones, kind of like dogs, the chihuahuas. The littlest dogs are the ones that like bite your face off. You know, if they brought dinosaurs back, there would be like a coalition of white women putting them in like sweaters. (laughs) Oh my God, you're so right. Yeah. Don't be mean to Bruno. He's a sweetheart. Well, she has like a side face full of scars from where he mauled her. Right. And then like gay marriage isn't even legal around the world, but... Dinosaurs have rights. Totally. (laughs) Moving on. Our movie starts with Nathaniel Shepard. He is the lead scientist on this program that is going to establish a colony called East Texas on Mars. So is he a scientist or is he just a multi-billionaire with a vision? I think he's a scientist. Because let me tell you, a lot of times these multi-billionaires brand themselves as the scientists. They, they kind of inject themselves into the field when actually they're not. Um, I label myself a trophy wife and I'm not a trophy <laughs> wife. Don't ruin this for me. We should be able to identify however we want. I think he is a scientist, especially some of the things he says later. I think he has some sort of science background. It sounds very scientific. All right. So yeah, that's where the movie opens is we're seeing this group of astronauts going on what appears to be a seven-year mission, right? 
yeah, it's like a seven year mission to establish if a colony can be like if life can kind of be sustained on Mars in these little domes. Right. So the lead astronaut, the one who's in charge, her name is Sarah Elliott. During the journey to Mars, Sarah discovers something that may or may not be a plot hole, but just Mm -hmm. stick with us here. At first, I think she's getting space sickness because she's like throwing up everywhere. I mean, not everywhere. Um, Excuse me. She's throwing up into a bag, which shouldn't that float back into her face because zero gravity? You know, I don't know how that works. Just suspend logic. We don't want to get too deep in the weeds here with like what happens when you throw up in space. We'll figure it out for everybody later, you know. (laughs) But so she's getting very sick. um, And it turns out that it's not space sickness. It's a baby. She has a baby in her belly. And when they do that ultrasound, I mean, it looks like she's probably like three months along. She's definitely like pregnant, pregnant. And so they have this kind of discussion, you know, about like, okay, what do we do? Do we bring her back? Do we call off the mission? Mm-hmm. And listen, these are investors who are essentially talking about this. And they're like, no. You're so right. It's It becomes a business decision where mm-hmm. they realize like, okay, obviously this is a PR nightmare because how did we allow this to happen? Side note, I'm pretty sure they give these astronauts like blood work before they go out to space. Maybe she had the blood work done, but between like leaving and finding out she was pregnant and stuff like that, she had a maybe it was just it, maybe <laughs> it was just that gap. Maybe they did the blood work and she was already pregnant, but it didn't show up on blood work because she wasn't far enough along. Maybe the egg just was freshly inseminated when she took the blood work and they were like, mm-hmm. you're good. Off to Mars you go. So this baby is developing in utero in zero gravity. A lot of things are different in space, obviously. Mm -hmm. So the scientists are talking about, you know, what this means. This baby's organs are not going to be used to the pressure of Earth. The baby's bones aren't going to be strong enough to really stand the weight of Earth and that he'll really have to spend the rest of his life on Mars in order to survive. Even if they managed to turn the mission around, by the time it got back to Earth, the baby would have been born and the baby can't survive under the conditions of Earth. You know what? I'm just going to trust what they're saying because they're the scientists Uh and I'm not. But I don't know. I would like to see the calculations there because that sounds a little sus, but whatever. You know what? Uh, Movie. Movie magic, baby. (laughs) Well, the other thing, too, what makes me kind of suspicious of their findings also is the fact that they decide that this is a PR nightmare, obviously, and so they want to keep it a secret. Yeah, and the lead investor, um, Nathaniel, he actually suggests, what if we don't do that? What if we take full accountability? What if you send me to Mars and I take accountability for the child? You say investor, but he's really the CEO. He's he's yeah, the head he's guy. the brains. He's the brains. And right, he wants to go. He wants to go to Mars. The other investors say no because the lead scientist Nathaniel has hydrocephalus and they're like, No, you're probably gonna die. You know, part of me as he's saying this. I see this like interest that he has in the baby and it a little bit grossed me out because I'm like, is he just interested in studying this baby? Like it was a little off. Yeah, it's a little off putting how interested he is in this baby. And part of me kind of chalked that up to his science brain because I've noticed people with mostly analytical science based brains 
tend to be a little bit less empathetic right to situations where right. they're just like okay I mean it is what it is why not learn what we can right it's like are you kidding me this is like the perfect data gathering yeah. situation it's even better because nobody will ever know Sarah Elliott and the rest of the astronauts get to Mars yeah Sarah gives birth on Mars because there's already the infrastructure is there on Mars and so mm-hmm. Sarah gives birth in some sort of like medical unit and at first everything's fine the baby mm-hmm. comes out and they put it on her chest. Then she obviously codes and dies. And I just want to make a note that this is where my anxiety around joy comes from. Mm-hmm. It's it's Hollywood's fault. That's fair. Don't you see how the writers, they always manipulate joy. The worst things always happen right after a joyful moment. Like the characters are in a car singing and so in love and then boom, they get hit. Car crash. Right. Car crash. Like the mom is meeting her baby for the first time. Like, boom, she codes. It's And and I think, I mean, that affects us. I feel like I'm always like when something really good is happening in the back of my mind, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, make sure there's no like freight trains around. You know what? On topic, but slightly different. After everybody that I'm currently living with has seen my cooch, I think I would want to die as well. Do you think she chose to like pass away? (laughs) No, but honestly, she's the only woman there surrounded by a whole bunch of men and they all just saw her cooch. So after Sarah dies in birth, it fast forwards 16 years. Yes. We're still on Mars, and the baby has now grown up to a cute little genius with shaggy dark hair, and he, like, builds robots. The child's name is Gardner, and as he likes to mention often, he was raised by scientists, so he's hella smart. Intelligence is passed down from mother, from the mother's side. So Mm -hmm. if his mom was an astronaut, she was hella smart, except for the part where she got knocked up right before a space mission. That wasn't very smart. (laughs) That's plot hole, plot hole. You're moving on. That's fair. (laughs) He helps out around the colony. He works mostly, it looks like, in the agricultural section. Mm -hmm. But also, being raised here isolated with no friends or peers, his only friend is a robot that he often beheads to hack into its database to get information. Yeah, it sounds more sinister than it actually is. Sometimes you have to remove a, a robot's head to stop them from talking. It's casual. Don't ask questions. But he <laughs> he's on a fact-finding mission because, mm-hmm. you know, I think when you get to be 16 years old, you start to have a lot of questions about where you came from and your parents. So he wants to know who his dad is. Like, he realizes that his mom died in childbirth. He knows that he's a secret. He understands all of that. Yeah. But he wants to know who his dad is. And everyone says that they don't know who his dad is. So he actually sneaks into the storage facility and finds his mother's belongings, which I really feel like should have been given to him a long time ago. Yeah, I know. He finds her files and kind of like her personal Mm -hmm. pictures and sees her on the beach with a man, like a dark haired man. It looks like they're just like frolicking on the beach. He's like, oh my God, this is my dad. And he does look similar to this dude. In conjunction to this, Little Gardner also has a little Earthside girlfriend. Yes. So I think he's doing this in secret. I don't think any of the scientists know. No, they don't. He finds a way to get like a pen pal. I don't know exactly how they meet, but he gets contact with Mm -hmm. this girl named Tulsa who lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
And they are like pen pals. They they basically form a relationship long distance over text messages. And he told her that he lives in a pet house in New York, that he actually can't come to see her because he has a rare genetic disease, essentially brittle bone disease, where he can't leave because his bones will break, which is really the closest he can really get to telling her the truth. I think Tulsa doesn't really care about the details about him. Yeah, Tulsa is a foster child. She's just trying to ride out the system because she's about to turn 18 soon. She's like, listen, I just want to age out. I'm leaving this piece of crap town. And he's like, I wish I could come with you. And she's like, you can. You can come with me. And he's like, oh, no, I'm sick. Remember? Like, I can't. Yeah. I can't come. In a way, she's being catfished, you know? Like, she's she's being catfished by a human alien on Mars. Like, what a cool story. No one will ever believe you. Nobody will ever believe you. This Tulsa girl, she has some bad girl vibes, doesn't she? I love it. She has, like, aviator glasses, and she rides a motorbike to school, and, Mm -hmm. you know, she's edgy because she's been through a lot. She's everything I wish I was as a teenager. She's, like, all the red flags in a female, and Mm -hmm. I like it. (laughs) <laughs> you know what? I'm here for it. Equal distribution of red flags. Right. Trust issues, daddy issues, abandonment issues. It's just like a trifecta. It is. You know, Gardner right now is on a mission to, you know, find out who his father is. But Gardner is also getting very stir crazy in this Mars colony because he can't do anything. So he likes to break the rules. They have a a magnetic thing implanted into his chest to help monitor his organ growth. He uses the magnet to disarm all of the security alarms on the doors. Right. He figured out that if he places his chest up against security locks on the door, the magnet unlocks it. And he goes on a joyride on a rover and crashes and nearly freaking dies and i'm just like oh my god this is crazy but also you can imagine the angst of being a 16 year old like honestly i feel like every 16 year old feels like him only he has actual reason to feel all that angst you know well i feel like with so many quote smart people making decisions did no child psychologist weigh in on the effects of having a child no less a teenager isolated from the rest of the world you have to expect rebellion from a teenager especially when he has no friends, no hobbies. What did you expect? This is your fault. Yeah, and he does kind of have a mother figure on Mars, which is Mm -hmm. an astronaut. So her name is Kendra, and her whole purpose on Mars is to look after him. So she does like astronauty stuff, but also her purpose. (laughs) I don't know what astronauts do. Astronauty stuff. But can you imagine though? Like you train to be an astronaut, you go to you go to Mars, but then you're just a babysitter. Like I would be. That's sexist AF. I know I would be pissed I feel like you know she loves him you can tell she loves him she actually sets up a meeting with the investors and the head scientists behind the mission right so Kendra is advocating for Gardner Mm -hmm. and she's telling these scientists and investors she's like listen we need to find a way to get him back to earth like this isn't right this isn't right to Mm -hmm. keep this kid here He is not having any normal experiences and he's going to deteriorate. Yeah. And they actually pull the head investor and scientist. They pull him back into the equation and he's been absent for 16 years. After Sarah Elliott died, Gardner's mother, he just disappeared. The CEO guy. 
yeah, Nathaniel, the CEO, he just disappeared. He didn't communicate with anybody regarding the mission and he just let everybody else sort of take over. But I wonder if he like was forced to step down because I mean, when you think about it, this is a huge mess up. I don't think he was forced to step down because if he was forced to step down, they wouldn't have had to come talk to him about bringing Gardner back. Well, ultimately, they all decide they can milk this, I guess, in like a PR way. Um, So Gardner has to undergo several operations and physical therapy to strengthen his bones and his muscles before he can go to Earth. He tells Tulsa, hey, they found a cure for my disease. I have to undergo some operations and some physical therapy, and then I'm going to come see you. I think Tulsa doesn't believe any of it. Mm -hmm. He undergoes all of this, and then they bring him and Kendra back down to Earth. They land the spaceship and he comes out and he's just like stumbling everywhere. His legs are too heavy. He's like long body, long limbs, gangly teenager. He's never seen the ocean. He's never seen Mm -hmm. the sky, the clouds, like all these things that don't exist in Mars. Yeah. So this poor kid gets to Earth and the first thing they start doing is running tests on him. Well, they immediately quarantine him. And the owner of the company, Nathaniel, Mm -hmm. he comes to visit him. Nathaniel is like, sorry for the quarantine. It's to protect you from us, not us from you. Gardner asks Nathaniel, what's your favorite thing about Earth? And Nathaniel says rain. Nathaniel says rain. Gardner doesn't know what, I mean, I I think theoretically he knows what rain is, but he's never experienced Mm -hmm. it. You know, it doesn't rain on Mars. Again, Nathaniel, like you said before, his kind of interest in this child, a little creepy. It is creepy, but but like you said, he is a scientist and this Mm -hmm. is a human child that was born and raised on Mars. So I can also understand the the interest that he's geeking out. Yeah, They have a meeting with Kendra and all the adults. And of course, you're not including the almost adult here about his own welfare and life. No. Um, (laughs) So they're like, his blood work is essentially normal. And Nathaniel's like, essentially, is not good enough. Test for this and this and this. Right. Like, Nathaniel is very concerned about this kid's well-being. Obviously, Gardner is getting used to being on Earth. He's kind of Mm -hmm. disoriented. He feels heavier. And he's mostly, he is frustrated as hell because Mm -hmm. he has been dying to be back on Earth. And then the second he lands on Earth, they put him back in a bubble. And he's like, Mm -hmm. that wasn't the point. Like, if I had known, I would have just stayed in Mars. Like, I want to actually be part of the planet. So Gardner overhears kind of the conversations that are happening around Mm -hmm. him. And he realizes that there's a lot of concern about him being on Earth and that there's actually mumblings about sending him back to Mars. And Mm -hmm. he's just like, no way. So he hatches an escape plan. So he actually, again, raised by scientists, he trips one of the alarms in the building. Then he dips. He goes to like the maintenance area, steals clothes, steals money, Mm -hmm. and then stows away in the back of a cargo truck that is leaving. This facility is supposed to be locked down, but he's using the magnet in his chest to like open up things. Like what a superpower. (laughs) You know what? Like when a child is raised around this many smart people and he gets so much information from so many different variations of smart people like this is really the caregiver's fault here like you let him become too smart right (laughs) now he's rebelling 
So Gardner makes a break for it. All I kept thinking is like, so you're telling me it would be this easy for aliens to sneak out of a secure facility. Okay. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Like, great. Okay. Everyone is worried about Gardner, obviously, because they come to learn that he needs a heart transplant, like stat. His heart is not strong enough for Earth. Essentially, he's going to die. Yeah, he has an enlarged heart. He is slowly dying. But of course, nobody thought to tell Gardner this. Right. Um, I think they didn't know they were running the test and then, you know, he escapes before they knew. Yeah. So Gardner, he's not used to people and he doesn't know how to human. He is wearing clothes that are clearly too small for him, too small on the legs, too big in the waist that also (laughs) belong to like a 57 year old man. He's walking like I would assume aliens walk, just kind of like sniffly (laughs) and gangly. Because he's still getting used to the Earth's gravity. He's kind of attracting attention because Mm -hmm. this kid doesn't know about cars really. And he nearly gets hit Uh by a truck because he just walks out into the road. And then at one point it starts to rain. And he's just like enamored by this phenomenon. He's just in the middle of like the street, chilling in the rain while everybody else at this bus station is trying to run for cover. And he's like, this is amazing. Yeah. He's asking everyone he meets what's their favorite thing about Earth. Um, Yes. Which I don't know how I would react if someone asked me that. Dogs is my favorite thing about Earth. Dogs are your favorite thing about Earth? I think for me, obviously, aside from the normal answer of like my kids, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Meh. Um, My favorite things are plants. Ooh, I do love plants. Yeah. What do you love more, plants or dogs? You're about to piss people off. Dogs. That was a safe answer for a white woman. Good job. Thank you. Just trying to stay alive and uncomplicated (laughs) and problematic. (laughs) Everything's fine. So Gardner... Really, he escaped because he has one thing on his mind, and that's Tulsa. Tulsa. Right. He wants to go see this girl. I mean, honestly, I feel like he's been falling in love with her. I mean, he had no choice, right? He, mm-hmm. She was the only girl his age that he ever interacted with. So naturally, mm-hmm. he fell in love with her. He shows up at her high school. Right. He just walks right in. Would it be this easy for an alien to just walk right into a high school? Apparently. I mean... To be fair, she's probably given him a lot of information. So that's how he knows Mm -hmm. what high school she's in. And he walks right up to her. She's putting books in her locker. When she sees him, first of all, she looks up at him because he is towering over her. He is so tall. She comes like chest high to him. Yeah. She looks up and the first thing she does is slap him. And then she berates him. She's like, why did you ghost me? She hasn't heard from him for seven months. And he's Mm -hmm. like, I told you that I wasn't going to be able to message you for a while. And she's like, yeah, but seven months? Like, that's not a while. Yeah. She's like, people have phones and computers. Listen, if my husband ghosted me for seven months, I'm remarried. Okay, I've moved on. Like, <laughs> Tulsa tells him, I have to go to class. You stay right here. Don't move. And for a second, I think he's going to literally stand at the lockers like for the whole school day. He doesn't, though. He just shows up in her class and the teacher's confused. Right. She says, are you a transfer student? And he goes, sure. Well, he starts participating in the class, kind of calling yeah. attention to himself. And then he looks over and there's an eye washing station in the class. And mm-hmm. of course, I mean, I feel like he has no ability to control his intrusive thoughts. If he sees a lever, he's going to pull it. Yeah. And so he does. 
And she's like, no, no, that's the emergency eye wash shower station. And he just gets soaked. In front of the whole class. So, I mean, everyone's very entertained. Here's what I don't understand. In the next scene, he's dry. Why are you dry? Courtney, how was his mother pregnant? You know? I honestly feel like the dry thing is a bigger plot hole. Clothes don't dry that fast. Not even in a dryer. Like physics don't, the physics don't check out here. Yeah, like, listen, I'm not a scientist, but I do know about wet clothing, so. (laughs) I do enough laundry. I'm a laundry specialist. (laughs) Yeah, like, have you ever, like, been to an amusement park and you went on a water ride Mm -hmm. and then you're just wet for the rest of the freaking day? Yeah, squeaking around in your shoes. Yeah. Totally. No, we're going to overlook that because, you know, movie magic, as we say. So Tulsa takes him to her house. The thing about Tulsa's newest kind of foster dad is that he's supposed to be taking care of a farm. We didn't mention this, but when we first met Tulsa, she had to put her drunk foster dad into this like irrigation plane. plane. Yeah, it's like one of those small irrigation planes that are on farms that kind of just spray Mm -hmm. like pesticides and shit over. Yeah. She's like, we can't lose another property. Like you got to get up. Right. That's Tulsa's situation. So Tulsa takes Gardner over there and... The space people find Gardner. Mm -hmm. How do they find him? So they actually start going through all his communications and stuff on his computer. Right. And they're like, okay, he's going to see the girl. Right. 10 out of 10. He went to go see the girl. Every boy. He's every boy on Mars and Earth. (laughs) Yeah. And so Tulsa runs into the house because he tells her, you're going to help me find my dad. And she's like, you know what? I think I will. Yeah. Like, I don't have much going on here. Like, you got it. Finishing high school? No, absolutely not. (laughs) The space people, I'm going to, I'm calling this group the space people, but it's made up of Nathaniel, who's the CEO of the space exploration Mm -hmm. company, and Kendra, who is Gardner's kind of like pseudo mom, and a couple other people. They're obviously searching for this high priority asset Mm -hmm. slash alien from Mars, (laughs) like literal alien from Mars. Slash human teenage boy. So they surround or they try to, but there's like fences and gates and stuff and they see Gardner. And so Gardner makes a run for it. Kendra runs after Gardner and she's Mm -hmm. like, Gardner, you need to come back. The whole time, our girl Tulsa, she is way ahead of the game. She's in that freaking plane and she's like, come on, Gardner, get in. Yeah, she found the little like, is that what it's called? Irrigation plane? I don't know. I feel, that feels right to me. I know nothing about farming. We're going to go with it. That's what I would call it if I had one. Be like, hey, Fair. this is because, you know, it's very it's very humble, you know, mm-hmm. like you don't want to be like, I have a plane, you know, because that's like bragging. But like I have this yeah. irrigation plane. It's not a big deal. It's a two seater. Like, yeah, it's just for the farm. It has a propeller. It doesn't have brakes. It doesn't have brakes. It doesn't. Um, yes. So as Gardner is running and it's so clear he is not going to make it far because one, those little skinny legs have no muscles to propel him. And earth is heavy. And earth is heavy and his bones are brittle and his heart is weak. So, you know, he's not going to make it very far. But thankfully, Tulsa rides up on the plane beside him and he starts sprinting to get to that Mm -hmm. backseat of the plane. He's able to jump up onto the wing. And Tulsa's like, Gardner, you need to have a seat. (laughs) Yeah, you need to sit down, my boy. They make their getaway. It seems like flying is easy, but I think you know and I know that it's not the flying that you have to worry about. It's the landing. 
It's the landing part. Actually, the oil pressure and the plane begins to drop. And she's like, oh, shit. I've never really flown it this far before. And they go to land on the interstate. She's like, normally I have a landing strip. They are landing this plane on the interstate. Cars are just kind of like moving out of the way. It's chaotic. Well, they're also being chased via helicopter by Nathaniel and Kendra, by space people. Yeah. Tulsa and Gardner end up jumping off the plane because they can't stop it. It doesn't have brakes. Mm -hmm. They can't stop it. And they end up having to like bring it down super low to the ground, slow it down as much as possible. And then they jump out of it because it's going straight towards like this big barn off the main road. The plane crashes. Fiery explosion. I thought that they were going to assume that the kids died in that explosion because that would have been like a good cover. Um, they do not. They check that rubble for bodies. That was a little too quick to check a rubble for bodies. How fast do bones incinerate when it comes to like explosions? I don't know, but I feel like everything in this movie just happens. For a movie that's about space, the physics mm-hmm. of like very normal things don't apply. It's like you said, like the clothes dry too fast. There was just a giant explosion in this barn, but you somehow you get there minutes later and it's completely like there's no fire anymore. It's not even smoke. There's no smoke. And you can you could search it in like 20 minutes flat and tell them that there's no bodies in there. You know what? It's a sci-fi movie. We're just going to have to roll with it. Sci-fi movies make you suspend this belief more than freaking fantasies. That's for right. sure. We never had this many issues with like <laughs> vampires, like freaking wolf. Absolutely not. Wolfmen. We're like, yeah, that's fine. Totally. Wet clothes. I don't <laughs> fucking think so. <laughs> We have to draw the line somewhere. We have standards, okay? Very low standards, but they're there. But they exist. God it's damn like, it. It's like, what's that game called where you have a bar and you have to like shimmy under it? Limbo. Yes. Our bar is like a limbo bar that's very hard to get under. It's like a color-coded limbo bar to where like, depending on the genre, that's where we place our level of suspension, you know? Yeah. Tulsa and Gardner are still on their mission to go find Gardner's father. The only thing Gardner has of his mom's is a ring. And when they Mm -hmm. looked inside the ring, there's an inscription of the person who married them and they figure out where to go. Yeah. So, you know, being teenagers, they do what they got to do and they steal a car. (laughs) Listen, I think if you're going to be on a run, having a rough and tumble, maybe criminal BFF, like really comes in handy. Someone's on the run. Don't come to me. I can't hotwire cars. I can't run very fast. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to be any help. I'm going to hold you down. I will probably yeah. turn you in, to be honest. <laughs> you know what? Remind me not to call you when I need criminal help. Rose is like, listen, who's the brown one here? Who's going to jail? Not you, white girl. But so they steal a car right on their tail right now is the space people, all right? Right. The space people are just a couple steps behind them. So they're go, go, go. They have to ditch their first car because the space people catch up with them. So they ditch the first car and they steal another car. Mm -hmm. Gardner's like, I'm going to drive. I guess he learned how to drive on Mars. No, he doesn't know how to drive because Tulsa's sitting next to him and, and giving him instructions. And I'm like, this girl has a death wish. Not only, think about this, not only does she run away with a boy that she's never met before, whom she thinks is lying to her because she doesn't believe his story. Yes. But this boy also has people after him. And she's just the ultimate ride or die. She's just like, I have no idea what's going on, but it's exciting. So I'm game. Yeah. <laughs> like, listen, she's like, I, I had nothing else going on at the moment. 
Yeah, I mean, so they are kind of living it up a little bit. Like they're eating burgers, uh-huh. they're driving through these like really pretty sceneries. He says to her, he says, you're so beautiful. And you could tell she likes it, but she's, you know, kind of rolling her eyes. She's like, you don't know how to like be human. People don't say that. What you do is you just ignore things like this and Mm -hmm. you never say them out loud and you never get any closure or reconciliation on things and you just prevent your own happiness. You're bad at being a human. Okay. (laughs) Right. You are not in your own way right now. He does this thing when they're driving and he puts his hand on her thigh. Listen, the hand on the thigh while my husband is driving is chef's kiss A+. plus. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. And you can tell she loves it too. She's just like, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I will allow this. Yeah. How does he know this? I mean, he did watch a lot of movies. So Yeah, he prepared for courtship by watching a whole bunch of old Western movies. Yeah. So what she says, I wrote it down. She said... You might want to play it cool. People don't just go around saying how they feel all the time. They have shields and guards and other metaphors. And he's like, why? And she's like, I don't know, because they might end up being happy or something. (laughs) Yeah, like get with the fucking game, Gardner. So they end up stopping in like the middle of the desert and Mm -hmm. they have a bonfire. Mm -hmm. And she goes and she turns the music on in their stolen truck. And she puts his hands on her waist and then they kiss. This is his first kiss. Listen, his hands are on her waist and they're kind of like slow dancing to a song that's very upbeat. So again, I don't get it. But yeah, he has he has his first kiss. I don't know if they're totally naked when they're sleeping. Okay, listen. But it feels like they are. No, listen. I feel like there were a couple pages ripped out of this book to keep it PG because all I know Mm is that they're having this bonfire in the desert. It's like a Pinterest photo shoot. They Uh are blasting music. They kiss. And the next scene, they're in their sleeping bags and their shoulders are bare. Bare ass shoulders in the middle of a desert. Girl, bare ass freaking shoulders. Like scorpions are going to crawl in there and And bite your wiener. And then he puts his hand on her shoulder and just trails it down Mm -hmm. her chest. They don't say that they did it, but we know they did it. They did it. It's the YA magic, you know? You just have to assume. But yeah, so they're in the sleeping bags and he tells Mm -hmm. her, he says, my whole life, I've never felt anything. I've never felt the rain. I've never felt the wind. I've never felt, you know, the ocean or the sand. Mm -hmm. He's like, and now I felt all those things, but none of them compares to how I feel with you. Listen. Yeah, I'd get naked too. Whatever. Immediately. 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 If I had that kind of sweet talker when I was 17, like hook, line seeker, I'm a goner. The next day, you know, they're sitting on like this little cliff. He's playing with a caterpillar that he found. He's like, there's so many legs. There's like Grand Canyon views. It's really cool. And out there in the middle of freaking nowhere, they run into a hippie who tells them like, hey, this is kind of like private land or something. She says it's reservation land. Oh, okay, gotcha. They're like, hey, we're actually looking for the shaman. And she's like, okay, follow me. They find the shaman who married Gartner's parents. And I don't think he remembers them because he's just like, son, I marry like a thousand white people a year. And so he hands over the half of the ring that he has of his mother's. The guy is like, here's all I have. It's a check Mm -hmm. that his mother paid for the marriage ceremony with. 
And it has an address. It has an address. But I just want to say, side note, if the mom paid for the wedding ceremony, what does it say about dad? Uh, The dad's trying to hide. He's either trying to hide or he's broke. It's one of the two. I think he's trying to hide. I I thought dad was like... Being Having sneaky. a whole second family. Yeah. <laughs> Secret life. Right. So now he has an address and they are headed there. It's in California. On the way to California, they stop at Vegas. Tulsa's trying to do something really nice for him. She takes him to Vegas and she's like, there's Paris. There's Venice. Showing him all the things that, you know, he's mentioned or that she wanted to see. But... Gardner's not doing good. Yes. Gardner is getting nosebleeds and he's starting to kind of zone out. Like at one point he actually starts Mm. speaking gibberish and Mm -hmm. then he collapses. He tells Tulsa before he collapses, he's like, no, this isn't right. This this is not how I imagined them. Like he's freaking out. Um, He collapses and then he starts having like a seizure. How terrifying for this foster kid who's on the run, you know, to have to deal with this alien that's having a seizure in the middle, in like in Vegas. So she gets him to the hospital. The hospital does all of these tests on him. They're like, what the fuck is happening with his bones? Right. They're like, I don't know what's up with this kid. He has weird bones. He has an enlarged heart. They're probably like, is he an alien? Yes. Is he an alien? Um, Yeah. So Tulsa overhears this and she realizes oh my God, he was telling the truth. Like this whole time she was just, dude, I feel She was smitten with the cute boy that was kind to her. She was like, this is an adventure. It's fine. Like everyone lies. But now she realizes he was telling the truth. She says, I'm going, she's like, social services is on their way. So I have to go. She's like, but I'm going to find your dad and I'm going to tell him how wonderful and amazing you are. Gardner wakes up and he's like, yeah, I'm going to come with you. Yeah. So she helps him sneak out of the hospital. They make it to California. And first of all, I just want to say a couple things. Number one, his mom has been dead for like 16 years. How do you Mm -hmm. know that the person still lives there? And not only that, they approach from the back of the house. It's Mm -hmm. like this beach house. Yeah. Gardner's not doing well. She had to help him out of the car. She's supporting his weight. Right. Like Gardner is literally dying. Yeah. So they walk into the back of this beach house in California. They run into this guy who's the guy from the pictures and the videos that Gardner saw. So Gardner's like, Sarah Elliott, she died giving birth to me. You know, I know that was your wife. Gardner hands this dude the picture. The guy's like, I don't know why you're doing this to me. But Sarah died of low suit pressure. And the guy's like, I'm calling the cops. I know. I thought that was so heartless. He's like, I'm not your dad. You know, I'm calling the cops. I was like, oh, damn. But then he says, Sarah Elliott was my sister. And I'm like, ooh. But in the time that Tulsa like rips this dude's phone out of his hand and is like he traveled all the way from outer space to find you. He is dying to meet you. Literally dying. Mm-hmm. Um, Gardner just dips. Listen, things got dark very quickly because Gardner yes. is walking into the ocean like he is he's walking into Mm -hmm. the ocean and Tulsa runs after him and she tries to stop him and he says no my mother's ashes were scattered in the Pacific Ocean like I can feel her here and he says I didn't get to choose where I was born but I can choose where I die I literally wrote WTF this got dark quick (laughs) it did it got dark because I feel like Gardner found out he was dying. He just wanted to meet his dad. He thought this dude was rejecting him and that all of this was for nothing. Right. And he's like, now is a good time to die. 
Oh my God. Gardner collapses into the water. Tulsa loses him. She can't find him in the waves. So he's drowning. And she's getting ready to drown to grab him. And it's at this point that the space people, Nathaniel and Kendra, catch up with them. Nathaniel pulls Gardner out of the ocean. And you could see like how terrified Nathaniel is that his Martian boy is about to die. It's at this point that Nathaniel confesses that he is Gardner's father. Girl, number one, the plot twist. Number two, the tea. Number three, the fucking audacity. Because you remember at the beginning of the movie when they were like, the astronaut acted irresponsibly. Nathaniel was okay with Sarah being tossed under the bus when he knows that he's the one. Right. They got a pregnant. That fathered this child. I guess not just that. They were married, apparently. What the fuck? He had a whole, he, he was secretly, this is why I say the T, because the CEO of the space mission program was secretly married to the head astronaut of the mission and also knocked her up right like girl i was more excited about the tea than i was about the revelation that he was the father i was so angry on sarah's behalf because nathaniel allowed all this shit to be talked about her being irresponsible and Mm -hmm. unprofessional When he was the one that was banging the astronaut going to space. Yeah, I really wonder how many Martian babies Elon Musk has fathered. Because you know that's his mission, right? He has openly stated that he wants as many babies as possible. Like he's trying to populate the Earth with as many little Elon Musks as he can. So how many female astronauts have secretly given birth on the moon or on Mars? We'll never know. We will never know. Also, that was purely speculation. Uh, Do not sue us. We do not know what we're talking about. This podcast is literally a joke. We are no one important. We don't know what we're talking about. We take literally nothing seriously. (laughs) Everything is satire. (laughs) We don't take ourselves seriously, our trauma seriously. No. (laughs) We, we as people are jokes. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Gardner gets airlifted because he needs immediate medical attention. As this aircraft is flying to presumably a hospital. His stats are dropping. His stats are dropping. Gardner is actively dying. Daddy Nathaniel is like, hey, you need to take this higher. And the pilot's like, no can do. Mm -hmm. And Nathaniel obviously is like, rules don't apply to me because I have money. So he gets into the co-pilot seat and says, I'm taking over. I'm going to take this up higher just so you know you're gonna have to take back over because i might die <laughs> i might pass out i'm not like not i have like this medical condition you know it's don't worry no about biggie it. um <laughs> pilots die while flying all the time so he takes it up into the stratosphere after they get up there gardner's stats come back up he wakes up they are in zero gravity at this point tulsa unhooks her seatbelt to go check mm-hmm. on him And there's this really cute scene where Gardner and Tulsa are like floating, holding hands, looking into each other's eyes. Then they kiss right in front of his mother figure and a strange biological father. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And um, it's not even like a quick little peck. It's mm -mm. like full lip on lip suction action. Mm -hmm. Okay. They they are familiar with each other. Okay. They just looked at each other and said, what if we kissed in space? How do hard-ons work in space is I think what they were really asking. I wonder like, okay, listen, if a dude completely flaccid is in space and takes his clothes off, does it float? 
You know what? Actually, I, I would imagine it does float. It has to, right? Because uh, it's gravity that's holding down the flaccid penis. And so now I will never get this out of my head. Every time I see one of those astronaut videos, I'm like, your dingling is floating. Like, <laughs> Hold on. What happens to a penis in space? Having sex in space would be gross. Nine reasons. What article is that? It's from BuzzFeed. <laughs> Oh, God, BuzzFeed. Getting a boner in microgravity is hard. No pun intended. <laughs> um, it won't be easy to get a lady boner either. Libido is lower in space. Um, there's no porno. There's no porn in space. American okay. astronauts are not allowed to look at porn. You might conceive a deformed alien baby. Well, yeah, that checks out. Um, your sweat will be gross. Like everybody around you will just smell your sex sweat and bad Ew. juices. Okay, that's enough. That was only reason eight. Hold on. Every push or thrust will propel the astronaut in the opposite direction. <laughs> Imagine a pair of ice skaters standing on fresh ice. <laughs> if they were to push their hands against one another, they would shoot backwards away from each other. That's... Astronauts would have to be properly anchored, not only to the space station itself, but also to each other. It makes the mechanics of sex difficult and probably somewhat awkward. So you would have to be like in a closet. Mm -hmm. So you, when you push each other, you just like ping pong back and forth off the walls, just okay. like close together. Oh my God, this is a lot. I feel like I did not bargain for this much information when we entered this conversation. This is more than I ever wanted to know, but you're thorough and I appreciate it. You know what? We cut to a new scene where, again, we as viewers are encouraged not to ask any follow-up questions because how None. the hell did they get this aircraft out of the stratosphere? There's no way. Like, there's no way it would have enough power to, like... like Science. Defy... Anyway, whatever. I, I, I want, I, you know what? This is one time in my life that I wish I had the terminology to be able to adequately and intelligently call bullshit on something. Can somebody from NASA let us know? <laughs> Anybody from NASA? They're like, bitch, we have more important things to do. <laughs> so we kind of fast forward, uh, mm -hmm. I guess, because Gardner gets sent back to Mars. He gets to tell Kendra goodbye and he gets to tell Tulsa goodbye. Mm -hmm. um, but he goes back to Mars and he goes back with Daddy Nathaniel. Yeah. And it seems like he's happy about it. It seems like Gardner loved his adventure on Earth, but he feels like Mars is home. And then it kind of cuts to Tulsa and what happened to her. Tulsa is in a group home right now. Yeah. Tulsa is, I think, a month from aging out of the foster system space mommy Kendra comes to visit her she has retired from the space program and she tells Tulsa like hey I bought this big house and I live by myself do you want to come live with me Kendra tells Tulsa that she took over NASA's training program and we get a little clip of Tulsa training to be an astronaut I know. I love this so much. Yeah. So I guess in a way there could be a part two where Tulsa goes to Mars. I think there will be. It's interesting because, yeah, this is kind of setting that up, right? Like they built this connection. Mm -hmm. They had this epic adventure. And now Tulsa is training to become an astronaut. I think that's what she plans on doing. I think she plans on being an astronaut to go mm -hmm. live on Mars and see Gardner and be with him. Right. Well, because Tulsa and Gardner still talk all the time and they have like video sessions now. And I just have to say, this is the longest long distance relationship in the universe. <laughs> 
right? She's like, hey, babe, you're like on a different planet, but I'm training <laughs> to be an astronaut. And if I pass all my training and don't die in transit, come in to see you, babe. Yeah. And this is where our movie leaves us. The teapot is empty for today. Don't worry, more is brewing in on the way. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you next time. Bye.